ours is a job to make exceptions you first make the rules and then you make exceptions you have four unicorns for in your portfolio which one are they unacademy spinny purple and slice when you look at these companies at the early stage you consciously need to make sure that you are not scarred by your failures there is always going to be you ask for one i promise you will discover four reasons why you should not invest in a company yeah. and you will get those four in the first 20 minutes instant gratification and sense of entitlement both you have to do away with if you have to succeed in the ecosystem what is sense of entitlement i am iit plus iim 5 years worked in uh, two of the unicorns yeah. third unicorn is willing to give me a job so you have to give me a crow instant gratification yeah. is i don't care about carry i don't care about esox yeah. and i want everything in the salary today that has to go yeah. sense of entitlement is that banta hai nahi chalta aur ye milta aaya hai to kyon nahi Hi, this is Adhat Aluwalia and welcome to the Neon Show. This episode's guest is a chartered accountant who previously worked at SBI. He is currently a partner at a VC firm that raised more than 250 million dollars in his fourth fund. Some of the VC's most popular investments include Unacademy, Dunzo and Stage. It's my pleasure to welcome Bloom's Ventures Ashish Fafaria on the Neon Show. I would also like to thank our sponsors Prime Venture Partners for sponsoring the Neon show. Hope you enjoy it. Ashish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So excited to have you. Pleasure being here. And uh, uh, it's great that you know I first pitched to Bloom in 2014 for my own company. I had the IC in your Mumbai office in IC's investment committee and uh, uh, I met the entire Bloom team. I met you, Karthik, Sanjay, Arpit, right? And by 2023 now today like almost 9 years bloom is a limited partner in neon fund so excited to come to a full circle here. with bloom yes. and have that great relationship with bloom so for our audience today right i want to start with uh, the history of venture capital in india how venture capital entered india uh, right so so do you remember the early days of venture when icic venture was just formed in 1999 westbridge was formed in 2000 2001 and and then slowly and steadily the global fund houses started opening up shops or their partners keep on tra- traveling to india would like to deal sure. on your memory yeah yeah so uh, i think if you uh, look at venture in india we have to also have a small preface to the tech ecosystem yeah and tech ecosystem the way we see it is not what existed or that's not how it started yeah. uh, globally there are three large ecosystems one is uh, us yeah second is china uh, of course we are now number 3 yeah but there's a fairly active ecosystem with israel yeah. on the deep tech and res- uh, related side when back uh, it's all started with the services boom oh. and the offshoring that came along yeah. with the services uh, india had a pretty good advantage with english as a language emerging yeah. mid market population and it was natural for fair bit of effort done by in the 70s and 80s by the software manufacturers association manuf- uh, hardware manufacturers eventually nascom was yeah. formed so those 20 years 25 years of effort did create a fair bit of software boom in yeah. the country and that was largely around offshoring of services there was largely around software services being done and in the process you had the giants that of today of like the tcs 
Infosys, Wipro and the likes created. And which meant that you started to have a very high quality engineering talent. Yeah. You started to have hubs and centers developing around a certain diaspora, which is apt at coding. There was an infrastructure created to create more and more engineers, which is why hubs like Bangalore, they've started to see that in a, we cannot take care of our needs from Bangalore alone. So people started looking a little other direction, came Mysore, came Hyderabad. So the hubs in India started developing and you saw pockets where a fair bit of tech talent, engineering education and all of that bolstered. So in it, it wasn't that all of this happened during the 90s and continued through the next 20 years. And in that batch, uh, in that vein, what was parallelly happening is also the entire Y2K bug and the hype. And we saw, we saw ICICI Ventures coming and starting up. What was the Y2K bug? So this was around the year 2000. Yeah. Uh, you are used to seeing the DDMMYY as a format. Yeah. So you say that, okay, if it is 15th August 1999, it is 1508.99. And now the date change will happen on 31st December 1999. So from 31-12-99, you're going to change to 010100. And that is not something that the software would probably recognize was the, was the fear. And so it was year Y2K. That's how, that was the whole bug. There was a fair bit of attention around that. And, there was a fair bit of hype around it, I w- is what I would yeah. say in hindsight. Back then, it was a fear of unknown. Yeah. So, bunch of bunch of uh, things started to happen where Indian market started to receive a fair bit of attention as well. Yeah. Apart from the ability of Indian talent to take care of global needs by way of offshoring, outsourcing, body shopping, yeah. software coding and all that people started to feel that this is the time and age where Indian markets also are going to be big enough and people would start having a plan to allocate capital into India. And it is with that you saw the first batch of blue actual pure play VCs looking at it. Yeah. We had some form of funds allocating capital to India, but they were all domestic centric, yeah. uh, looking at more private equity format kind of investments, project-based investments, SPVs and all that. A lot of it would be government originated, nothing on the VCs per se. And I don't want to dwell too much into the history, but since yeah. you asked uh, maybe a minute more, sure. it was on the back of this that you saw some fund managers coming to India. In Bombay, they would stay in one of the Nariman Point Five stars. Yeah. We didn't have BKC as an area developed yeah. back then. Or they would look at Bangalore and they would stay in a hotel, meet people, Invite them over, make their decisions, allocate small checks and go away. Westbridge was around the same time. There was ICICI Ventures which came about. And these sizes were tiny. Do remember, back through that decade also, there were two-digit IPOs hitting the markets where people would IPO at 65 crores and 85 crores and 100 crores. And it would still be big enough. That is how small and nascent the Indian capital markets were, leave alone the venture market, right? So that's the journey that we have covered in the last 18, 17 years. And in that same phase, there was a brief lull because two, three things happened. We India went through a bunch of nuclear tests. There were global sanctions against India. 
the Y2K hype was over. So the over allocation to tech software and all that kind of started to fall flat because of the sanctions. There were limited investments happening into India and the market development was not going to happen. So it became like a vicious cycle, which was going to take a fair bit of time for us to come out. And post that, when things started to look up and again, India went back. By then you had the few other companies seeded. The, what we see as companies like Nokri, InfoEdge yeah. and all that were seeded by then. And they were already doing their own bits to figure out. Internet had taken center stage over yeah. the next five years from 2002-03 to 2007-08. Yeah. Uh, what also started to happen is a few other funds had kind of emerged. A few other foreigners kind of set up yeah. a shop or they would but you could all of this, you could still count on fingers of maybe now not one hand, but fingers of two hands. Yeah. So what was looking at three, four looked like suddenly maybe seven, eight, nine, ten, not nothing more than that. And there was some bit of angel activity also happening. So people would act, aggregate, uh, congregate in a uh, lounge in Bombay, yeah. 20, 30, 40 people and say that, okay, let's see some companies. Yeah. So on a Saturday afternoon, I remember going to Chapati where there was this Karma Lounge uh, and we had four startups pitching back to back. That's Karthik and I both were together at that time. We, uh, Karthik was asked to represent the Times Group uh, because both of us were working. This is 2006, 2007? This is 2007, 2008, just before the global financial crisis. uh, What enough people jargonize as GFC and all. So you would look at Companies, yeah. apps was not yet a word back then. Yes. Uh, we were still, mobile was not key and left, right and center yeah. of development and ecosystems for selling, marketing, yeah. consumption back then. It was still around uh, internet. It was still around computers and development yeah. and commerce centric opportunities. And people would try and look at those angel investors. Similar efforts sprung up in Bangalore, Delhi, later on Chennai as well. But this was sporadic activity. There were a few funds operating in isolation. Uh, Some bit of activity happening. The likes of Flipkart had been seeded. You had the likes of InfoEdge would have a little more clearer fleshed out journey. Just Dial uh, had morphed into uh, already on the path to what it is morphed into today. So those kind of germination seeding kind of efforts had already begun. Fast forward 2010-11 when we were still not having an original grounds up India centric funds. Yeah. We did have a little more effort from the 810 that I mentioned fingers of two hand yeah. analogy. We had a few more where from abroad or US or China, they would have some single GP, yeah. a single LP. LP means a limited partner, yeah. the borrowed construct from US, which I mentioned. Uh, they would have a single LP fund and say, okay, I'm carving out $25 million or $50 million, have somebody manage it into India. There there were those kind of efforts which were uh, already taking shape. But no grounds up India-centric VC capitalized from India. You were still banking on foreign capital because India didn't understand that risk. Even if India understood that risk, I don't think we were ready to look at something which is so binary. 
even until 4 5 6 years ago i'm don't i don't think i can i would even caveat by saying take with the pinch of salt yeah. no exaggeration enough people would say tukka hai mm-hmm. when it, when they talk about early stage vc yeah. so people are not ready for that kind of a binary outcome where things you are going for all yeah. or none kind of a risk but at that point in time there was a thought process uh when there was an activity which we could see with the angels etc yeah. that after the angels you literally had those half a dozen funds to go to so there was a value of death which means you could raise money from fff friends family and fools yeah and you would uh, raise how much some, some people would put in 2 lakhs 5 lakhs 10 lakhs i remember back in the mid 90s when i would look at some balance sheets because i was part of an advisor from trying to do my formative years of training and internship yeah. uh the job was to audit yeah right they would be on those pharmaceutical companies on hospitality and distribution companies you would see people who were given in 10 25 30 lakhs but for these kind of tech businesses when an entrepreneur is pitching yeah he's coming with no background yeah the examples i am talking about where there were entries of 25 lakhs on the cap table cap table means the capital structure of yeah. the company you were still found entrepreneurs who were in their 40s and 50s yeah. some track record is going to inner circle is going to a little bit of an external circle and trying to raise some yeah. money but here you're talking about entrepreneurs in their maybe late 20s early yeah. 30s mid 30s moving out of a job no business experience at all yeah. and he's going and asking money from people who has not known at all right completely strangers absolute strangers so people who were used to seeing friends and family raise 25 50 lakhs and build 10 20 uh itemized cap tables yeah. and then kick start a pharma business like i said yeah. uh because that was the nature you were trying to create a business for exports yeah. you were trying to create a business for serving the indian consumer yeah. so indian market was always the way bloom has looked at the indian market is always these two yeah. parts indian talent building for india which is building for the indian consumer yeah. or indian talent servicing the globe yeah. that is it. and it is translated on the tech side to indian engineering serving the globe which is b2b yeah and indian uh, platforms servicing the indian consumer which yeah. is the b2c yeah. right so this was not something which was people were used to where a complete stranger will come yeah. and say i want money so these people would have an incredibly arduous journey or a tough journey to raise money so people put in guess how much siddharth I, i have seen cap tables okay. where people have contributed 50000 <laughs> those were exceptions yeah. but single digit lakhs was very common okay 257 okay. i have seen umpteen number of entries and yeah there were uh, equal number of 10 and 20 also but what was the minimum for a conventional business entrepreneur second generation guy yeah. to win over from friends and family for a fresh guy first time pitching business to a complete stranger without track record no business yeah. no pnl no cash flows it that same 25 minimum came down to more like 5 or 10 yeah right so this is 2010 11 this caused the value of death that you will have 10 20 people who have given you 2 5 10 lakhs so you raised 50 lakhs to a crore after that you don't know what to do yeah so it was with that vision bloom was created that you were going to come in at that value of death 
be the first institutional investor on the cap table yeah. of the company and the fund kicked off with a vision of raising 20 million dollars now remember we have reached 2010-11 in the yeah. journey of indian vc the bloom journey has an interesting uh, semblance with the indian vc we can continue talking about that yeah. for a few more minutes if that's interesting yeah that absolutely so it was in that vintage where exchange rate was what a dollar was in the 40s yeah. so it apt for me to say that 20 million dollar fund yeah. 100 crore rupees but it would still have been a little less than 100 if you got the yeah. full 20 because it were not 50 rupees to a dollar yeah. and today when we talk about the dollar rate we are in the 80s 83 right so it's almost doubled yeah. that means if we, thankfully we were not having dollar capital but yeah. if we had dollar capital our returns would have halved yeah so that's the impact of what you have to deliver as a vc that's why the vc expects what he or she expects from the founder we can talk about that yeah. anchoring a little later. That because that is an implication of when you take money from a VC, when you pitch VC to a yeah. founder, why certain terms came. There have been scientific reasons why some of these have been there. So coming back to the history. So 2011, we pitched. People said, we can't give money to a first-time fund. Because who do you go to? You go to an institution. Yeah. You go to a In fund of fund. Which kind of institutions do you first went to? This is U.S., so you, because that's a market that understands the risk. Yeah. China was still a new, uh, and, uh, unknown, uncharted territory for India. Uh, barring a brief decade plus where we had China, uh, very healthy influx of yeah. Chinese capital, Chinese companies. Other than that, it has been a, uh, uncharted territory. Agreed. Or unmarked territory. Nobody would even say that I'll go and raise money from China. And if you can remember in 2011, 12, the limited partners which every Indian fund aspired in the US. Who were they? The usual. So the institutions that the likes of Horsley Bridge and the peers or endowments yeah. were the typical bodies that people would want What's to an raise. Endowment for an audience. So you have a university, yeah. you have a Stanford, you have a Oxford, you have yeah. a Cambridge. They will have their boards and they'll have the pots of capital where people come back and give uh, in the money contributed by contributed their, by their alum yeah contributed or they have created their own surplus by launching certain programs which are yeah. customized so the pool that has been created either contribution of these two yes. three sources put together is what forms the endowment pool then they start allocating those for causes yeah. which are in their charter in the document and then those pools start multiplying over a period of 50 100 years yeah these are pools that have existed for 50 yeah. plus years. Some of them have been even for 100 plus years. And these are the pots which people typically aspire because these have an infinite duration. Yeah. These are the, of course, they will come and enforce a 10-year life, which is a typical VC life. Yeah. But patient capital, long-term capital, once these institutions come in, Unless the manager really has messed up, yeah. these people are going to support you again yeah. and come back and say that, okay, now you're raising a bigger fund, I'll give you more money. But size creates a big issue as well. So just imagine that you are today deploying out of a 100 crore fund, you will be happily happily cutting 3, 4, 5 crore checks yeah. or maybe even 1 to 2 crore yeah. checks. Instead of 100 crore fund, you have a 100 million dollar fund. Yeah. Are you going to still cut one, two, and Absolutely three crore not. checks? You will not. Yeah. You will push the bar a little higher. 
and you will still do early stage you will yeah. still do seed but you will go for a different set of opportunities yeah. there will be a lot of those tweaks that you will yeah. do so so that you are tweaking and delivering yeah. doing justice to a 100 million dollar pot and these are t- pools which are 1 2 5 10 20 billion dollars right some of them larger than that as well so naturally when you say that i am a 20 million dollar fund they will say my minimum check size that i want to invest into yeah. you is more than 2x than your fund size. size so your fund size is 20 yeah. i cannot deploy 50 million uh i for 50 is something which i want to deploy so three things one your fund size is too small yeah. two even if i can do let's say you will say i want 50 okay no problem yeah. but you what do you know about yeah. vc uh, managing 50 you have not managed other people's money ever opm yeah. and opm it's very similar right yeah. opm is other people's money yeah. so very similar in that sense so we even if we could we cannot deploy more than 20 30% yeah. in a single fund so if you're a 20 million dollar fund the max i can do is 4 5 million dollars yeah. so 20 25% so sorry not worth not the it. not the right thing for us yeah. and then you go to the large format family offices and there are a huge number if today india boasts of a few tens of those in a structured format azim premji foundation downwards or premji invest downwards yeah in the us you have the rockefeller foundation downwards and hundreds of those yeah. right larger ones have a similar predicament and they will also all of these institutions have been so scientific in their approach because they have been investing for the last 30 40 years yeah. or let's say 20 30 years for sure they have seen the us ecosystem uh set up go through a big phase yeah. and then crashes in the us ecosystem yeah. as well in the 90s and the post y2k scene yeah. they have seen the china ecosystem yeah. and how that kind of reached a big uh, inflection point yeah. and started to emerge they have seen corrections in that market as well so they are very well aware it's like a reinsurer and ins- you and i feel that uh, my life is 100 years guaranteed yeah. but insurer knows that average lifespan is 72 years yeah. for a male 67 for a female whatever yeah. the numbers have changed now reinsurer knows even more than the insurer and a global reinsurer knows even much more than yeah. a local asian reinsurer because of their exposure this is data of 15 20 years ago now of course asia is getting at par with in its fair share of economic yeah. contribution still lagging but yeah getting yeah. catching up so as you go higher you are seeing much more data you are seeing much more patterns and they start evening out rather than when you see from a distance yeah. as just one off cycle so these people are not going to play a first time fund yeah. manager they'll say you please learn and come i'll do second time fund okay so then you come back and say okay i'll go to individuals individuals don't know you they have no way to diligence yeah. you it's not worth for them to allocate 5 10 crores and say we'll diligence and all yeah. that they don't have the wherewithal interest yeah. and time and patience to do all of that there is a validation that an individual will like yeah. to have so then you are back at your home base enough people gave good advice pragmatically yeah. that you should go back to your home base and just to give a context to everybody that this is 2011 that we are talking about yeah. 10 11 we got a license in 11 10 is when sanjay kartik shook hands and kicked yeah. off and that point in time 
uh, enough people gave good feedback saying they're raised from your home base. Yeah. Uh, we would like to see you, but with some track record. Track record is good enough that you have created the first batch of portfolio. Yeah. You can showcase to us as to how those companies are doing. All of that is fine. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is important for us to see your ability to create a portfolio yeah. and the cadence that you build to nurture a portfolio, investment yeah. approach, support to the portfolio, ability to make an exit decision. Yeah. So by the time you reach three, four years, you'll reach that juncture. So come back at that point. And they're in no hurry to deploy capital. Absolutely. So anybody who's sitting on capital knows very well that the best investors don't have FOMO. It's a different thing that in 21, VC is caught up FOMO. Uh, But that's not what happens with the best of the breed. I'd like to take one example. Uh, uh, I'm just forgetting the name. Uh, He's an early Google employee. He raised his first fund of 8 million in 2008 that invested in Twitter, Uber, and all these. Like, I, I know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. What was, I'm just. No, I'm not able to catch yeah, the name. Yeah. But I know what you're talking and who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, there are those kind of. Exceptions. The yeah. exceptions. And uh, that 8 million. But if you look at, if you look at our own case studies, right? Yeah. We are now a decent system. Yeah. Where we have a few interesting case studies. So, uh, talking about uh, Erasmic, yeah. which now is known as Axel, that's the Axel India team. Their Flipkart story is something which is remarkably similar that in terms of the returns that it generated for them. So, there is a fairly uh, healthy track record of having cracked two, three good companies in the same cycle. And the fund has astronomical returns and scale. The, the fund producer, that fund I'm talking about, uh, the... 8 million fund returned back 600 million to the LPs. That That's a clear aberration and uh, something which is going to be hard to repeat. And yeah, it's hard but, to repeat but there have been enough cases where uh, people have returned 8, 10, 12 X yeah. on funds. And you're saying the domestic Indian funds have returned. Yeah. 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 So uh, had uh, today even we what that happens on the back of two or three companies returning a multi-spade of the fund, yeah. multiple of the fund, right? Even today, when we look at our uh, fund one, we have uh, one company that is uh, one time the whole fund. Okay. Uh, uh, that's a dragon you, outcome. Okay. Which, we, which one is? What would that be? Give me a week and I'll tell you sure. more about it. We are on the verge of announcing it. Uh, so this podcast would actually come out after four weeks. So after four weeks. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is carbon clean. Okay. Uh, and it has done incredibly well. Yeah. And uh, we are uh, anticipating one more to go down a similar path. If we were not constrained by the time limits and we had little more time, we would have had Purple also deliver the same outcome for yeah. us. Similarly, Turtle Mint. So imagine I'm talking about Bloom, yeah. which is a 12-year journey yeah. where I've quoted four examples. Yeah where a full fund return can be generated. Yeah. You can turn around and say, yeah, but it is 13 years. It's true. Yeah. But in 13 years, there are four companies in that fund, which each uh, have generated a full-time fund. It's a different ball game that we have already exited purple out of that fund yeah. because of time constraints that I explained. Yeah. Similarly, Turtle Mint, which has been exited. And the other two are real. Yeah. So even if we had taken 12 years or 13 years so what you have 4x of the fund from 4 companies, four companies and then there are another 
dozen companies which are anywhere between 0.2 to 0.3x right so now you multiply jolly well it is a 810 bagger yeah. so it is possible it is not impossible it needs a few things to happen right and a certain cadence to build out it is possible the best breed is that what we are trying to do with a secondary fund is exactly to prove that yeah. siddharth so in fund 1 we basically were having a visibility and conviction that there are at least half a dozen companies in the portfolio that potentially can deliver that kind of an outcome yeah it was with that spirit that we went and raised a continuity fund yeah. so that we could buy out those companies and like not purple. get and like purple turtlement so that we don't have to get constrained by the fund duration yeah we can transfer and hold them into a new vehicle and those investors choose to come back and continue to yeah. enjoy the upside i i am promising to you that the names that i said will deliver holistically on that aggregate fund yeah. size the full outcome as well so when you take a 15 year horizon look at the compounding effects yeah. and the multiplier effects that take shape so it is in your i am quoting these examples live yeah i quoted one more example which is another indian story globally the ecosystem is lot more mature so there are money more. so so uh, let's talk about the kind of investors the fund have when you you mentioned about endowments but endowment checks are pretty large it's a 50 million check size for an endowment and they would potentially like a 500 million fund to yeah. put a 10% If not 500, 300 for sure. 300 for yeah. own 18% of yeah. that fund, yeah. 16 or 18%. Who are the next set of LPs below endowments in the food chain? Because venture capital is a food chain. It is. So, the at the top of the food chain sits uh, mega large family offices, endowments together. Yeah. Then there are the next layer of. family offices and fund of funds yeah. and like so, typically who are they what the example that i gave earlier hostley bridge yeah. uh, and many others these would raise money from family offices which yeah. are larger these would raise money from these endowments and they would deploy on their own yeah and then you would have another layer of so the, the western markets particularly the us are so large that you will have family offices in all shapes and sizes and what are the check sizes like the 50 mil check size is for a typically 300 mil fund size and no the, the largest ones want to have now reached a point where some of the sovereigns yeah that's also big what's a sovereign sovereign is a country's fund which they have set up to diversify their exposure okay. so oil rich countries or for that matter cash rich countries india has a sovereign fund sidbi is as close as it can okay. come to so that's effectively our yeah. sovereign wealth fund but the sovereign wealth funds as a purest construct gets created so that you can allocate countries reserves into a separate bucket call it a fund call it an spv yeah. and you can use that to invest into other global assets and yeah. therefore diversify so let's say god willing india will be cash surplus in the next decades to come you will say that i'll divide my bucket into two three parts where i will have a part of it into other countries infrastructure development another part into other companies financial yeah. investments third part into developing trade routes between your country and that country yeah. of various kinds not just physical routes but ip and rights and permits and incubating businesses into those countries yeah. 
JVs between two governments. So it can be at a strategic level, it can be at a financial level, it can be a goal-based thing, uh, depend to suit the strategic needs between that country and many other countries yeah. that it wants to. So that's a sovereign wealth fund. So there are sovereign wealth pockets. Uh, there are uh, domestic, uh, they are uh, DFIs, which is Development Financial Institutions. The goal of these DFIs is to take their state capital. Yeah. Again, it has to be a surplus state largely and part that money and into other countries investments so that they can create a slightly more inclusive worldview. Sure. So they are trying to do it for a certain purpose and cause and there are many various agendas. So for example, there was a development uh, agenda where uh, UK took this approach that every country that at once upon a time uh, where we were uh, yeah. ruling, we would go and deploy capital, which is to de- that time known as CDC, now it is known as BII. Yeah. So, there are various goals with which some of these DFIs would come, uh, but inclusion and a broad-based world order is what sure. they are trying to foster. So, there are these kind of bodies as well. Endowment, sovereign wealth funds, DFIs all come around the same. So, okay. it's a food chain. And below that comes the fund of funds, and then you have funds. And tell us what you told about the first fund journey. The in the second fund of Bloom, how large was it? In which year you started raising? Fund one was hundred crore. Yeah. It took us twenty four months to raise. Yeah. Two thousand eleven and twelve. It was only at the fag end of twelve is when we finished the yeah. fundraise. Uh, we ended with just short of hundred crores sure. due to something, uh, because one investor simply said that okay, I'm committing a little lesser, so we signed off and yeah moved on and uh, no defaults second fund came in 2015 december Sorry. 60 launch. million dollars launch first close okay we were done uh, we did the first close with uh, and thir- when did you started raising the second fund we went to the market uh, in h1 that year 2015, 2015 first half. yeah we went so it took us about a uh, good 8 months to get to that. Uh, this was much first. faster and much larger amount. No, you had a track record yeah. coming out. I will still not say it was a full track record. A fund manager's journey is 3x more complicated and artist than a founder's company's journey. Uh, less binary than a founder's yeah. journey. So one has to balance it out. In a company like you have seed round, series A and series B. Yeah. Our fund one was our seed round. Yeah. Uh, taking an analogy that uh, Karthik used once in a similar podcast. Yeah. Uh, our fund two was effectively our series A. Yeah. Where you could go around to institutions and say, look what I have done with my capital so far. And it looks like the dots are joining, joining up. And the institution comes and says, yes, I'm willing to anchor you. And with fund two, did you still, did you qualify for institutions this time after four years or you didn't qualify? No, we did. So fund two was primarily institutional. Okay. So $60 million pot. Yeah. $40 million came from global investors. Yeah. And 40 million is pure fund of funds or endowment. Combination of uh, no endowments. Yeah. No, 40 million came from uh agri institutionalized family office or yeah. ad- people advised by individual uh, yeah. fa- advisors professionals uh then corporate vcs yeah. who were looking at an exposure and sure. diversify their interest into india 
then uh, we had a small capital from a fund of fund a small experimental check sure uh, and then we had a little bit uh, from institutionalized family office okay. what's the, the difference between institutionalized family office and a family office the family owner is taking call largely okay. that's a family office the family is an ic here you have a bunch of professionals running it okay uh, they will get a charter or a mandate from the family that is how we want to sure. deploy capital and they are in sync with the professionals who are running it uh, could be employees yeah. with a share in the carry exactly like how a fund manager is doing yeah. so in that kind of a setup you will still have a family member on the ic yeah. they could veto things but largely best of such family offices would come into veto only in the event that there is something which is sensitive to the mandate or something yeah. which is against the principles of otherwise it will be a bunch of professionals making these decisions along with a supervision and yeah. intervention by the so family. you mentioned like four kind of lps in fund fund 2 the the first is can you repeat that what you uh, there were uh, family offices yeah which i'm breaking that itself into two, two family offices and institutionalized yeah. family offices corporate vcs yeah and then you had hnis and okay. the fourth one is our own homegrown institution which is sidbi yeah which is an allocator yeah we also had fund of fund so these are the four got it. and you said 40 million of it out came out of india that's right the two third came outside of india one third came from india and that is one way to divide this yeah. the other side of the 2 by 2 is how much was institutional and how much was retail yeah so for us out of the 60 million dollars almost 85-90% was institutional and the rest of the law was a long tail retail commitment so we went from heavy retail capital to heavy institutional capital how did this dna change because it is very interesting for fund managers on their fund 2 fund 3 right now to to learn this. the ambition from day one was to be institutionally dominated so you were meeting these institutions right from 2011 you kept on meeting them yeah, yeah. again and the again. first of the institutions were met in that phase of 10 11 12 yeah and we did keep them updated a, a fair bit of pace with what's happening in the yeah. markets there was a cadence of trips uh it typically takes it had the fastest i think we have converted an institution uh there are exceptions yeah. but uh, the typical is 3 to 4 years the With, fastest you have converted an institution is 3 to 4 years an exception would be there yeah. where we have converted an institutionalized family office i'm yeah. calling them as yeah. institution uh to just to simplify sure. then then it's four varieties like that yeah. you asked me earlier the fastest we have done technically is still four months but that is an exception okay because most have most others the median has been four years and there have been couple where it has been seven years there have been couple where it has been more 10 years and how many meetings so we first those? met these people during our fund one okay a post fundraise update yeah and could convert them only into fund 4 okay so one should remember three four things just as a throwing yeah. a quick uh, yeah. summary number one uh you are likely to have somebody come in when you meet in a fund it is a probability that they'll come in this next fund when you met them in fund 1 they'll yeah. come in two yeah or 
थ्री और फोर एंड देर आर मेनी हु वी हैव नॉट गॉट इन फ्रंट फाइव फ्रंट फोर ऑल्सो एंड माइट नॉट कम इन फ्रंट फाइव ऑल्सो सेकेंड इज इन दैट इंटरवीनिंग पीरियड द मिनिमम नंबर ऑफ एंगेजमेंट दैट विल बी रिक्वायर्ड विल बी एटलीस्ट सिक्स टू टेन ओके If somebody has taken ten years, you can imagine that there would have been ten meetings. Yeah, nothing less than that. But the minimum is half a dozen plus. Yeah, there was uh, some uh, LP who gave this insight that there's a almost like a rule of uh, seven hour. So unless the GPs have engaged with an LP for seven hours, yeah, this is hard to convert because you need that kind of a time and depth to understand the whole thing very well. Yeah. and it's not that you do a morning evening 7 hour thing the 7 hours has to come spaced over at least a 3 4 year cycle yeah sometimes 14 hours over a 6 to 8 year cycle okay. depending on how things have shaped up and the last thing i would say is that the institutions will always come with a dual yardstick the minimum threshold they need to cut as a check and the maximum threshold that they will not cut as a percentage of the fund size yeah so some institution which has a minimum threshold of 25 million dollars and they won't do more than 20% of the fund by default it means 125 million dollar yeah. fund size so it is important for the fund manager to know that i cannot get money from this during yeah. my fund if i am raising less than that yeah however we learned it the hard way that's once in a while everybody does have a program like funds will have a program like we have a program of bff yeah people do carve out their equivalent of a bff and may allocate to a fund so for our listeners what is bff bff is a bloom founders fund yeah which is our way of making sure that we are able to keep our relationships and nurture them through in case we are not able to do a core million to 3 yeah. million dollar usual check that we yeah. like to do it's a much smaller check it's a check just for the sake of preserving our relationship it's a check which we will never be able to follow on and go deeper and some aspects of work that we do as a part of the platform we may not be able to do the same yeah uh, but it's something that uh, idea is to signal to the founder that we care enough that there is some amount of capital which is still on the table for us to have a relationship yeah. we will still be meeting at the bloom sponsor events there'll be some parts of the team engagement still available but it will be not a full sweat of uh, things that are possible so that's a bff so what do you think went right for bloom that the 60 million came from large institutions three four things yeah uh fund one had uh, a few companies which were starting to look like okay. decent sized outcomes so one could look at the portfolio and say okay your robotics company looks like real and these outcomes are when i say look real it is a combination of two things yeah performance plus validation yeah performance alone ain't cutting it when i say performance is validation at a portfolio of a fund it means the company is doing well and there is another vc after you who has come in and given you an up round yeah so it takes a combination of both of these to really for you to mark up yeah so there were a bunch of markups which had started to emerge in the portfolio second we had a 15% dpi we got to that point where some small exits had happened that means for listeners 15% of the 100 crores was returned back to the lps that's right 
it was a net yeah. return that went back to the wallets of the yeah. LPs. So now the investors know that these guys are investing, and there can be exits okay. which come their way, and there are still many more companies which are having bigger outcomes in store than what has been yeah. exited. Second factor, third factor, all of these institutions come down to diligence heavily. Yeah, they would meet with the wider ecosystem. They would talk to our top five, seven, ten portfolio companies. Okay. Some of them would be okay talking to two. The anchors who are putting in very large checks as a percentage of the fund size or leads in that sense yeah. would maybe meet five or seven or eight. Understood. They will also, the fourth thing that came about was that there was a team in place. It was Sanjay Karthik and me at the time of the fund one. Yeah. Here we also had added a few people. And also we had Adit in the fund one also who was there still. Yeah. So the team that was there during fund one Stick stayed. Out. Plus there were a couple of more people that had got added. And it the attempt was that we were not trying to just keep running. We started to think about our platform seriously, our corporate effort seriously. We didn't put the names that exist today or tag them as much. But when somebody talks, they know that, okay, there is a person who is anchoring all the LP conversations. Yeah. Uh, there is a structured effort to have somebody dedicated manage finance. There is a vision on portfolio support and anchoring as well. Yeah. Because uh, at that point in time, there were three things that we were, were doing very, very actively, very, very consciously. One was supporting companies with uh, opening up of our Rolodexes, yeah. a proxy for a go-to-market. Yeah. The second a conscious effort was to augment fundraising. We were a small 100 crore fund. Yeah. There was only so much that we were going to invest into those companies. Yeah. So you were going and opening doors on a consistent basis, taking that company story to the rest of the world. Yeah. In Indian diaspora largely a little bit outside. Yeah. Then we had also set up these uh, support arms of ours, which is Constellation had been come into force full time. That's an firm that we set up outside. We incubated that. And this was the effort which was consciously done between Sanjay Karthik and me in that all, literally yeah. owning each of those three pieces. And we were almost like a newer order of engaging with the founders. Until then, India's pro template was you will have a quarterly meeting, board meetings or whatever. Yeah. Too young a company to have a board meeting. It, if by that logic, you are on the board. Founders are the other two board members. Every time you catch up at a coffee shop, yeah. it's a deemed board yeah. meeting, isn't it? So we didn't kind of give a lot of seriousness to that so-called cadence of the board. But we engage much deeper than yeah. that. And each of the conversations, whether it was around GTM, whether it was a WhatsApp conversation to make introductions or it was an email to open doors or support services, you were engaging with the companies not once in three months, but probably more like thrice in a span span of 45 days. Yeah. So that kind of engagement was showing and resonating, where when these guys come to do a diligence, they were able to really yeah. see that the founders need these guys and are vouching for these guys and the support that they give. Yeah. So now that four-point checklist gives a peek that these guys can invest reasonably okay. Looks like that portfolio will shine fairly well along with some bit of exits and all that 
it's in the works and they have built a fair bit of cohesive chemistry with their founders yeah. which means two three things one is that they will be able to stay on and support and engage deeper and have a better visibility on how to structure yeah. exits etc second it was also evident that the goodwill in the founder ecosystem is a small ecosystem yeah. that spreads heavily so they will be the becoming a if not first the first second third fourth choice yeah. to be on the cap table so there will be a by invitation kind of a thing that will belong to bloom and you will be in a position to have a hefty pipeline to for them to choose and make better investments yeah that's what it comes down to can you summarize for our audience the four points again one uh, you are going down the path where you know to create a decent portfolio yeah 40% was a b2b 60% was a b2c portfolio sure. and that has remained through consistently even now sure. fund 1 to two fund 4 yeah second there are exits which are coming yeah there are follow on investors who have come in yeah. so little bit of movement yeah. on your marks which is multiple multiple on capital invested yeah. your dpi so tvpi all are yeah. moving yeah. portfolio construction movement yeah. on the portfolio so performance yeah. portfolio performance yeah. team there is a team that was there yeah. these are not just uh, three uh, gps yeah. or partners <laughs> or two partners in a cfo yeah. running around yeah they have managed to retain a core set of team yes. along with them and add it to the team as well with yeah. the proper vision yeah. so i'll talk about just finishing the fourth point and that is a founder goodwill yeah. in terms of the rippling effects so it's all the four that matters somewhere in each of all of these four combined there's a platform vision of bloom yeah so it the why bloom was coming out lot more clearly yeah and there, there are going to be people who are going to say that if not anything else i will get a healthy 4 5x return in dollar terms from these guys yeah and if it is a little lower i'll still be able to get a very healthy learning because these guys will invest in 40 50 companies yeah. they will get into a lot of learnings by just pursuing their quarterly reports and getting access to the portfolio will make us richer yeah. for our india strategy in the long run we will be able to co invest hopefully not a lot happened but yeah. people will have their own ways and means yeah. to rationalize and enhance their investment memos yeah. so all of those things kind of were looking lot more clear than what fund one would have shown so that's what matters and what i was meaning to say and highlight earlier is on the aspect of the team and the platform vision sure. i think some of these things we have stuck to very heavily when in the fund one we were five members yeah in <coughs> fund 2 before even we went and did the first close yeah. we had moved the team strength and were eight members okay so and when we moved to actually nine in fund 3 by the time we did the first close the nine had become 18 okay by the time we did the fund 4 first close we had moved into our late 20s early 30s okay so what am i trying to highlight here we were continuously ramping up of the team not for the sake of checkbox yeah it is an unusually large team but this is what was validating what we were pitching as a platform vision of bloom yeah. institutionalization of the firm where today when you look at it the team still has stayed sanjay kartik and me continue to be there yeah when firms are imp- have been imploding or breaking yeah. up or restructuring or whatever there is one of the f- few teams that have stuck around yeah. 
have expanded the base of partnerships yeah. with people who have been long enough there also. Yeah. Arpit has been with the firm for Ten now years. almost a decade. Yeah. Similarly, Sajid, for almost half a decade. it's uh, six years yeah. and the relationship goes back even longer. Yeah. Sajid, Karpit, uh, sorry, Sajid, Karthik, myself, Alok, four of the top ten members of leadership had worked together for a f- bit of uh, time pre-bloom. Yeah. So it was all coming together. That And the, out of the other six, there are three who have stayed for a long enough yeah. time. So that kind of approach to building the team, nurturing the portfolio, the platform that I'm referring to was kind of looking like yeah, that has been seeded. That's exactly the reason I gave the example that it's like a series A yeah. where there is something which is looking like will work. Yeah. Uh, some of these may not stay as relevant, but most crucial things that, that are required in terms of getting the best pipeline why bloom you can answer it a little better yeah your founders can answer it for you as well you don't need to answer every question yes. uh can you create a structured portfolio and a performance the numbers are showing so if past perform numbers and track records and anything to go with you will be able to do it if you continue to keep your basics and yeah head in the uh right space so that's where the four point summary understood and uh, right now, by the time uh, you went for your fund three, which was 120 mil, right? This fund was three was 102 mil. 100, okay. And which was which year was this? You started raising this? 2018, uh, we started raising in H1. Yeah. We did the first close in uh, September 2018. And uh, when was the final close done? Final close uh, was done in uh, end of uh, 19. So almost 24 months again. Uh, that is, you're talking about marketing plus the yeah. closure. Yeah. Uh, but broadly, if you take the fund raise period, that is actually from the point where you've done the first close till the final close, that has been shrinking significantly. Yeah. What it looked like at almost a 21, 22 month period for fund one came down a little in fund two. Fund three that came down a little bit. Fund four that was in lesser period, we raised 3x that money. Yeah. And and uh, fund three was 102, closed in 2019. That's right. Uh, so it took us a good 14 months uh, yeah. from that phase of uh, first close to final close. Got it. And and the same things that worked in fund two, the four points worked exactly the same in fund three, with a little more intensity. Yeah. A little more validation. The four point story in what looked like the fund two. Yeah. Uh, you were able to corroborate all of that plus you were able to enhance the story as well yeah. because you had added to the portfolio successes. Yeah. Your DPI in fund one had moved even further higher up and it looked like your fund one rest of the MOIC that you had built out looks like convertible yeah. to a DPI. It doesn't look like a flaky uh, vision to a 5X. It looks like yeah, you can build it out. To okay. a 5x. Okay. So there was a lot more validation to the story. Okay. It is like a, exactly like a series B. And now you're moving into the acceleration and the growth yeah. mode. And that's what it showed. The LP base completely institutionalized. Here in fund two, there was still, uh, some, uh, 10, corporate VCs and not only 10, 15%. They were, uh, out of the institutions also. Not everybody was like, Perfectly IRR driven institution yeah. with the prop, proper diligence uh, yeah. expectation. 
you had about another 10-15% who were still following on sure. and making a judgment call on others who had led the round. Yeah. Here, in fund 3, 6 investors constituted $82 million of the okay. capital. So, in fund 2, you had $60 million. Yeah. In fund 3, you had 6 institutions pretty much rounding off to $82 million. So, it is a big uh, significant difference vis-a-vis of fund 2. Understood. And uh, then in 2021, you start kicked off the 290 mil fund, the fund for 2021. That's right. And how much time it took, like 2021 to 2022? So roughly about uh, same, about uh, 14 months. From the first close to the final close. close. Uh, It was, uh, but the important point is that we raised 3x the money. Yeah. Also, uh, critical for me to highlight here is that while it took a year, not 14 months, uh, roundabout. And how much amount was the first close here in the fourth fund? 105. Okay. That was quite a significant one. Almost the size of the previous fund. More than the size yeah. of the previous fund. Yeah. And the other point to remember is, we raised this fund, kicked off this fund while we were in a lockdown. Yeah. So you're not in a position to go to any new investor. Yeah. Check, you are not in a position to checkbox the seven hour rule that I mentioned yeah. a few minutes ago. Uh, you were not able to go and showcase and or get them down to do a yeah. diligence for you. So it was against significant odds. So what worked here in the 290 mil fund that you were able to raise? I think the platform looked much more complete. Okay. Uh, everything that was being said uh, not only looked uh, believable, uh, but uh, it kind of looked at from here on, it's about focus. Uh, we will not need to expand. So it will, I'm saying this, that in fund five doesn't look like you'll now go and pitch for a $400 million yeah. fund. It was a steady state that we had reached in terms of team. We were sharing with the LPs that, yeah, yeah while it is the three of us, but eventually we are going to add two more partners. Though two more partners are in the firm. Yeah. Those partners are also basically saying yeah. and vouching that we are there for yeah. together now. I think uh, when you talk about the 290 million fund, by then, fund one had gone ahead and completed some more exits. So one X? Uh, one X had happened. Okay. It looked like rest of the exits are visible as well over the next year or two. So the fund one story will complete and mature. Yeah. The team build out had on the investment leadership had fully matured. Yeah. You were not only three partners, yeah. but a very convincing five partner story was emerging. Yes. And that's what we mentioned to the LPs as well, that these are the five people who are driving the checks. Yeah. A template of that had been tried out in fund three. Yeah. Because we had a five member IC in that sense, even there. Okay. Sajit and Arpit were cutting independent checks. Correct. So now it was just a formality. Sure. So whatever we were kind of indicating in the previous fund is now looking like a near valid yeah. point. Uh, the other thing is that even more validation from the portfolio. We had a few unicorns emerge as well. Yeah. When we were talking about the fund three, by the time we closed the fund three, we still had one unicorn. Yeah. Which was the, which one? This is an academy. Okay. And then we on uh, later on we ha- managed to have. Spinny, Slice and Purple. Yeah. Uh, it helps 
when the unicorns uh, not necessarily all but some of them do have a certain dna of managing their growth yeah uh, in it looks like a manageable path from here on to marketable exits yeah. also dragons were looking strong so when i say dragons i mean each of these four unicorns are dragons also yeah so if sold at that point in time they return the full fund yeah so what you're talking about in terms of 8x and 10x funds fund 2 looked like that kind of a promise yeah and even today in spite of the environment that it is depending on when it corrects i do feel that fund 2 is in a position where it can be that kind of an outlying fund so it looked that yeah fund 1 is on the verge of completion it is just about a year or two yeah. away fund 2 is peaked pretty well fund 3 the portfolio construction had shaped up well so from a portfolio construction of 60 odd companies almost 70 companies we were now at fund 2 45 plus yeah fund 3 not even 30 okay so you were having more and more accurate Uh, outcomes because the success ratios were talking yeah. about those in fund 1 the success ratios was less well less than a third yeah whereas in fund 2 it was almost half whereas in fund 3 we still have almost 3/4 of the companies which are still bustling yeah so we are not uh, in that zone where there's a vulnerability for an overwhelmingly large portfolio yeah so that's the whole part the other thing that helps is when you have investors who can repeat so fund 3 every single of those six institutions came back and repeated got it similarly fund 2 also uh, almost half the uh i would say check writers increased their amount got it the other institutions consistently put that same amount so there was that signaling which was very strong that there is a repeatable lp base which is moving on and there's a consistency in building the rest of the platform as well it is while we were talking about a five member partnership yeah within each of them there is a small little pod which is kind of building yeah. up we have moved forward by then even now so now we have 21 members on the investment team side and a full fledged team build out Got but by then the offshoots were very very clear so it's like effectively a series c yeah where you're saying that now i'm just required to get to a, start getting to a profitability mark from yeah. here on unit economics was visible last time so now you are basically saying that fund 4 is 290 your fund 5 need not be 500 million yeah you will go with a 250 to 300 million dollar story at that point in time maybe as well so people know that there is a sense of semblance of predictability and a rinse and repeat that will happen from here on god but a 3x fund size of 100 to 290 i think you would have been the only indian fund to do it i i guess so ashish would would love to talk about the top 5 portfolio companies of bloom and a brief about your journeys yeah. with them sure so i think uh, when you talk about top 5 uh, it's not an easy one we have invested in about 100 plus companies 75 at year concurrently live as yeah. of now and they've always been that number at a given point in time so i but i'll still make an attempt to talk about five sure. uh for me i think uh, slice yeah purple turtleman yeah uh, in terms of uh, companies i would 
just trying to diversify so that we can talk to sure. a slightly different audience. Therefore, I'm consciously deviating from your question of not talking about five of the top. Yeah. I'm talking about five different sure. uh, heterogeneous examples, all of which I have a yeah. very deep appreciation yeah. and a learning yeah. set that has emerged. So these three are in that zone where they have uh, reached a pretty healthy scale. Yeah. And then there is a Jay Kisan, yeah. uh, which is on a very healthy track. And then there is an Exotel. Yeah. So all, if you observe, very, very different uh, journeys. Yeah. Uh, a purple was not the darling of the investors. Yeah. If at all the questions were, which used to be, there's no female in the team and you're trying to solve a problem in beauty. Yeah. How are you going to crack it? The, these are the kind yeah. of questions have been thrown at the team. And credit to the three of them between Manish, Rahul and Suyash. They have done a phenomenal job. Yeah. They were also combating an era where customer acquisition was the only big game. Yeah. We are emerged into the GMV era where valuations would be how much, how many X of a GMV run rate and all yeah. that. So they kind of were in that sense a different script in the portfolio. So the ability to discounting was not there and the willingness to not be crybabies and so VCs don't get it. Uh, If I spend, I would have got it was never the discussion in a one-on-one or a board meeting. And it is not just about the fact that we often glamorize the ability to fight back against all odds and all that. And kind of undermine what happens behind the scenes. In their case, they were very, very focused on making sure that you move on to exclusive brand partnerships, which are on your platform, get higher margins for them, use data and go ahead and pick out what's the next brand that you're going to put out there. Create an own brand portfolio, not get carried away and say, okay, that's the big thing now. Yeah. Uh, So we will be suddenly own brand story only. So it was not a typical, it was the ability to resist the temptation of not getting caught into narrative creation is a clear pattern yeah. amongst the biggest success stories of Blue. If you look at each of the five examples I gave and maybe the 10 others would have qualified, you would realize that this is a pattern. The uh, same thing I would say goes true for a slice as well. I would even go on to say that uh, it's still early days. I'm not uh going to really jinx him. Yeah. But uh I would definitely say that he's done well in spite of the ecosystem and not because of the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, so when I uh look at the journey at any point in time you look at it, he never had uh more than a few tens of crores. Yeah. And it was only uh post the COVID scenario where he raised that large unicorn round is where he, he got an infusion which was like a four-digit uh, crore rupees of yeah. capital coming in, 120-odd million dollars flowing into the bank, uh, into the balance sheet. So it is a journey against all odds and obsession around product and the customer on how you prioritize yeah. that and deprioritize everything else. And that you are doing without going into like huge amount of discounts for an inordinate amount of time. There were discounts given. There was a customer acquisition, but it was on the banking of a product and the willingness to say that from yeah. here on, I might still expect you to be there and not keep buying your time on my platform. So then comes the likes of Turtle Mint. 
uncool businesses. B2C is a cool thing to do. Yeah. There is white customer you talk and you get the margins in your pocket. But uh, there is a template to building uncool businesses. The more unsexy and uncool the business, the better the yeah. sustainability and sanity. It is not about just being poster child, like I said earlier. Yeah. And Diren, Anand clearly exhibit that. So willingness to take a tough, gory problem, working, setting up a platform for the agents. And that has stuck with them. So it is a financial services play, having a larger vision. Each time, it was a moving goalpost with Diren. Each time you talk to him and he moves the expectation to another 2, 3, 4x than what he had kind of said in the previous year's okay. review kind of. So that hunger and obsession about trying to be relevant to my TG was very, very high. Talk about uh, Jai Kisan. Uh, again, a fair bit of odds. Caught up in COVID just in the bank of the fundraise, including a broken term sheet where investors did develop a little bit of a cold feet. Okay. To bounce back from some of those things is a Herculean task. And once some of these things do happen, it everybody else is going to, for a while, ask questions as to why did the others yeah. not come in. And at that point in time, we consciously went out and said in our first introductions that there has been the situation, so would you like to now come in? Yeah. We were there. We did wire. And we did support as we have done with many of our companies. And then to kind of say that, okay, this is not just another financing business in the play. We will build a engaging rock solid tech backup to make it look like a scalable platform from where it can really be yeah. sustainable. So that orientation to keep the burn in the check again, zealously fighting the situation hard. And then there's Exotel. It's, it's a story which has been told many a times over. But just a couple of crores of capital, literally little, little above two crores and riding it for nine years and paying advance tax, which is more than the funds that you yeah. use. <laughs> uh, like yeah. it's as great as it can yeah. get from a tenacity point of view. We have, believe me, we have a dozen such stories. Fund one, there are still a dozen companies in the portfolio which have not given up. Okay. These founders still come to work. They have employees. They are uh, running a team. They are still having legit customers and they have not raised rounds for minimum five years. Okay. And there are a dozen of those. So it's a very different uh, audience. We are never short of inspiration. And, and what about the likes of the unicorns? You have five unicorns today in your portfolio. Right? Four. Four. Which one are they? Unacademy, Spinny, Purple and Slice. And we have a couple of more uh, dragons. Okay. So gray orange is a dragon. Yeah. Uh, that's the difference. It is not a unicorn, but it returns a full fund. Yeah. And so, uh, any diff- learnings from these companies which you are now applying to your selection? It, it will be two things is something that, uh, I would consciously avoid when I'm looking at, a, yeah. I look after the fintech yeah. early stage side of it. Or even the growth side, there's are two hats uh, that I wear. Apart growth from for everything and fintech only for early stage. Correct. So, uh, and uh, uh, that's apart from the fundraising yeah, and yeah. everything else, right? So, when you look at uh, these companies at the early stage, you consciously need to make sure that you are not scarred by your failures. There is always going to be. You ask for one. 
I promise you will discover four reasons why you should not invest in a company. Yeah. And you will get those four in the first 20 minutes. The more well-researched you are, the more thesis-driven you are, which we have become sharply. Yeah. You asked me uh, some time ago as to what in a $290 million fundraise helps. Yeah. People were able to see the 20 or thesis reports that we have put out yeah. and how kind of a depth of work and scientific orientation to construct a portfolio. So all of those things matter. But the problem around thesis is that you will start getting scarred by things that haven't gone well. Yeah. The way we should definitely try and figure out is what is that one or what are those two things that need to happen to take the company to the level that which it can be a game changer. So disruption just doesn't happen uh, because of uh, pace and innovation. It happens because of sustained pace, sustained innovation and the ability to sustain regardless of all uh, everything that else happens. So I think you are going to you should avoid getting scarred. Uh, learning is applied for sure, but getting scarred, no. The other thing that I do try and uh, remember, remind myself, and we do discuss during our leadership uh, meetings and ICs, is yeah. ours is a job to make exceptions. You first make the rules, and then you make exceptions. It, you can say, okay, okay, it's convenient way of breaking the rules. Yeah. Not quite. When when you say that. Okay, I just, we had a huddle yesterday for the fintech team and we were discussing that the next company in the portfolio should be a company which is not doing credit. A company which is a little ramped up. I'm investing from the third year. Yeah. And I have only seven more years to exit. Now I can't be investing in what Sajid, uh, one of our partners calls it as a formation check, uh, which is a company which is so early, product is in the ready yeah. uh, stage of getting ready. It's formation check. So you can't, don't want that. You don't want a credit company and uh, you want uh, something which has got to do with a non-credit uh, kind of a sector. So infra side of things and all. And in the evening, you met somebody who is violating all of these. Okay. Stellar founder. And you are basically scratching your head. Yeah. <laughs> and in morning I discuss something and by evening I have to change my thoughts. Exactly. So, would I, I don't know whether we will still go ahead and do the check, yeah. but what I'm saying is that we are not ruling out ourselves of that investment. So, you are creating those rules where you're going to draw dotted lines and say that these are the things that I'm looking for. But you're not, thought never escapes the mind that okay, if there is something which is not conventional enough or not as per my prescriptions, am I still going to, just going to ignore because it doesn't fit? I don't think we should get caught up in that trap. We should be willing to make exceptions. And that's where the nimbleness comes. The nimbleness until the froth was there in 2021 was defined by how fast you can cut the check and land the money in my bank. I think nimbleness comes in the way we are able to evolve the thoughts and come to rationalizing an exception that you want to make because you have discovered that one or two things that need to go right for this company to do well and not get caught up in the web of one or two things that can go wrong. Every company is too early. There will be hundreds of things that will go wrong. And, uh, you know, one, one more thought that I have is, uh, in your successes, right, all the four unicorns and the other previous companies that you mentioned, uh, uh, there was an obsessive founder in always one of these companies. 
these are these are teams possessed yeah right uh, so these are so you talk to gaurav munjal yeah. today uh, the boom of edtech the peak of edtech so coincided with the peak of the froth in the ecosystem as well yeah and both have gone yeah. it's not that people are saying valuations are a problem yeah. people are also wondering whether edtech he is never uh, talking about straying from the path that oh i need to do this to be able to make this a winning business so there is that obsession and possessiveness about the space and wanting to make it count he still uh, possibly knowing him and having heard lot more my interactions with him have reduced over a period of time as he has expanded his board yeah. kartik has been much more relevant yeah. and deeper with him so here what i hear he's still somebody who i believe will be thinking about an ipo he might say that okay i will have to wait for a couple of years until i can defend and flow into a certain valuation to defend an ipo but he's not going to stray from that path yeah. talk about uh, rajan absolutely the same thing uh, when people were trying to skirt around regulations one of the rare founders who came and said yeah i agree let's go and do an nbfc okay when uh, it the opportunity throws up and you are saying that you operate in this kind of a constrained environment you say yeah let's cut down all the burn and focus on turning the whole thing towards profitability before the tide changed towards that he was uh, uh, okay. making those attempts so between two fundraise attempts enough of our companies have become break even so that they are insulating themselves from a potential challenge you're not leaving the fate of the company to an investor who is not yet in the company yeah in leaving it to a fate of the investor means you can can you create a bridge round which is enough for this cap table to support yeah. you that is okay but it is a disaster to leave the fate uh, to an investor who is not on the cap yeah. that's a bad one so there there are some of those uh, common traits on the fundraising and the strategic thinking side and then there are a few traits on how they went about building teams so we constantly saw that purple would go and every possible round that they would make they would go and hire somebody who is significantly a specialist and the ability to make those calls earlier on are tough calls and then having got people on board to get those people to stay for a medium term yeah. is even tougher because as soon as people figure out that oh, a 30 year old something is trying to dominate beyond a point he doesn't understand it as much as i do i am the expert i am yeah. the domain the guy guys leave and that kind of a spurt happened in startup talent acquisition as well where people came out from yeah. large organizations and then kind of scooted back when tide started moving so these guys have been able to retain their people in a meaningful way some have lost as well but i'm not talking about exceptions that have not worked i'm talking about the patterns that you can see in yeah. some of these guys the other uh, sorry the other thing also which is uh, noteworthy in some of these conversations is that they were never over optimizing on their own dilutions okay so when they had opportunity to raise capital they leveraged it fully correct they never kind of reached a point and said i'll take less the capital so that i can dilute lesser yeah in fact i have a story where manish was willing to do a secondary and bring capital back because of some compulsion that had emerged at that point so you're shocked 
you see founders wanting to do secondary so that they can enhance lifestyle or invest checks in the company i can tell you a pattern that none of our founders have been those poster child in most of the founders rather yeah. there are one or two who have been but most of them have not been in that zone where they're going left right and center writing angel checks yeah. and all that they will write all of everybody does but there is a reason they are going after a certain purpose and they are oriented to think in a certain way ashish with the last part of the podcast i want to dedicate towards where you see the india opportunity right you just talked about middle of the pyramid part also and top of the pyramid what do you mean by that i would like you to start with that and the second is the career in uh, venture capital hmm. or audience so i think when you talk about opportunity sets uh, we have uh, quite a few things moving do you put the last uh, 12 to 24 months into perspective and look at what's happening on the networks and infrastructure side we have 5g rolling out at high speed yeah i do believe that the form factor of any of the gadgets that we use today or any of the screens that we use today is changing yeah there has been a significant uh, shift and movement happening around the ai yeah. side of things and these are things which are imminent yeah. on the back of these i think it's very very logical to imagine that everything which is impacted by these which is media entertainment sports financial services healthcare all of these things will have a significant surge yeah and the opportunity sets are actually not to be looked upon as 130 crore 140 crore population that we have 1.3 1.4 billion people you will have to look at and break it up into micro buckets so if you look at the industry report the first time we did it we had broken down into india 1 india 1a 2 3 that is basically the top of the funnel the mid market and the bottom of the pyramid yeah. one will have to look at and dissect it the right way not the whole bottom of the pyramid is very very attractive but there are parts of which which are very very enticing so that is broadly how i would look at it when i now say that okay so thematically what i would see emerging i do believe that there will be a lot more developments on the financial services side we have already put out a report on cbdc yeah. so a big believer what is cbdc that is basically the central central banking digital currency yeah globally world over countries are moving towards that yeah so in a few years from now i do imagine and dare to say that cash will be out of circulation yeah next year i am anticipating some degree of retail penetration to also happen okay this has an implication of how things shape up so it is possible now for a lot of personalization to happen currency is digital tracking is possible security and privacy feature sets are getting enhanced and there is ai so the biggest theme that does emerge for me is personalization yeah when i say personalization across various fields whether it is healthcare pharmaceutical which is medicine yeah. side of things all of those things but my partly biased but partly actually favorite yeah. is the financial services side of personalization you were trying to create a banking product so that it can be applicable to at least 1.4 crore uh, 1.4 billion indians you can now actually create a product which is applicable for even half a percentage of that audience yeah because the audience was never more than 10% anyway it was a misconstrued market size 
when somebody is pitching a market size on real estate, you talk about trillion dollar market yes. size. That's a BS. One has to look at the profit pool. So you are now can actually really get down to personalizing financial products. And that will be a big enabler and yeah. a game changer. When you couple that with digital infrastructure and architecture that we have, you will realize what I'm trying to say. So the opportunity lies at that across various matrices sure. that we spoke about, top of the funnel, middle layer and the bottom of the funnel, across any of the other side of the two by two. When it comes to the second part of the question, Siddharth, on the careers, yeah. on the VC side, I think people who look at careers in VC, whether you are joining as a analyst or a, a AVP, yeah. or whether you are looking to start up a fund, if you're looking at anything which is less than 15, 20 years, it's a wrong yeah. foot forward. And the reason I'm saying this is only because as a fund manager, do realize that you will start a fund and then the second and the third, it's th- typically it's a three and a half to four and a half yeah. year cycle. The next fund comes within three and a half years of the previous close. And in a decade, by the time the first fund has matured, you might have done two or three funds. Yeah. By the time the fourth fund is ready, your LPs are going to say that you now you have earned carry. Yeah. So now you have to up the game in terms of your skin in yeah. as a sponsor of that fund. So earlier we allowed you to put in a pittance yeah. and say we'll give you money because you have sweat in the game. Yeah. Now they say you have money in the game. There is to be better capitalization by you as well. And then what you really make from the carry of the second fund is what determines your uh, wealth. So a fund manager should be the last person who wants to create a fund for wealth creation yeah. and instant gratification. So if I'm selling that second fund is when you really can hope for some wealth and lifestyle changes which are meaningful. Yeah. What you are talking about is a 13 year journey by default. Yeah. So that's why I said if you're going to look at it from a less than that, it's futile. Yeah. And that doesn't happen unless you have mentally committed another 7 to 10 years. Yeah. Because each time you sign a fund, you're implicitly committing 12 years. Yeah. Actually committing, not even implicitly committing. Yeah. So any thought process of starting up a fund which is less than 15-20 years is, I would say, wrong foot yeah. forward. Why does the same logic apply to an employee as well? If you're an employee on the fund, are you going to make do with just being a employee and yeah. not want to have the aspiration of being a uh, partner yeah. or an investor who is driving the part of the strategy yeah. by all means that takes the same amount of time that whole fast paced things about trying to say I look I discovered a company and I had a great track record so you fast tracked into a partner yeah. role but after that so again even as an employee with the lens of wealth creation it is foolhardy to enter the space like we have said it for founders that you don't come in and there are jokes and names around that the founder comes for the pain and gets rewarded with the gains. It's true for VCs as well. You are a lot more hedged. So count yeah. your blessings that yeah, you have the right orientation and it aligns with not so much of pain and a binary outcome that a founder has to go through. People often compare careers between a company and a VC. Yeah. People say that, oh, okay, if I'm joining you, I'm going to get only 20 odd lakhs as a salary yeah. as an analyst uh, vis-a-vis some other fund where I can actually get 2x of that or I join a startup which is series A and he'll happily offer me yeah. a partner's office role. Okay, fine. Please go. If monetary consideration is a driver, we are never in the reckoning. 
if you are basically trying to say that okay i have these opportunities which are non monetary in nature now let's compare and please educate me then we can have a conversation yeah. so and this is not something that i'm saying to steer away from the battle i'm basically announcing that there are different turfs on which the battle is being fought and the financial reward is not the turf on which you want to fight that battle yeah. and even for a budding fund manager as you are trying to build out a team and talent yeah. please look at the other tools that you have you have carry as a part we have been given this feedback that you are over generous on the carry distribution to the team in general okay and i think it's better to have that feedback than organization doing a dd at your back and saying does he share rewards at all or no yeah. or he or she so i think that using that well how a person reacts to carry as a form of reward gives you a lead indicator on the orientation of the person yeah uh, but if you're just going to play it on instant gratification this is not the field to be whether in a startup whether in a vc whether in a uh, capacity of a gp so that's broadly how i would uh, think about a younger self and and what what about the a lot of folks who have 3 to 4 year operator experience now join want to join a fund uh, right the skill set the right skill set to develop for a fund what would that be so i think uh, a fund should have a healthy mix of uh, entrepreneurs yeah operators uh, people who have come in from consulting stroke advisory mindsets and let's not get cliche about it i don't we have not built it that way so for example today when you look at a typical preferred resume or a jd yeah. or a stipulation as to who you are seeking we might we consciously might select somebody who does not fit the bill uh, on some of those criteria because the person has to check more fundamental boxes rather than just about yeah. the ranking at the iits than the exact experience that you want or the pedigree of college that you went to of course we are not saying that yeah. does, all those don't matter they are a starting point but they are not the end in itself is what i am trying to highlight so if somebody is not uh, in the top 20 top 50 or is not a ranked person at all maybe not gone to an iit at all or iim at all yeah it doesn't matter bloom is a living example where a team has been built with people who leadership has been built with people yeah. which are unconventional from that standpoint yeah. and these are unconventional but they can can give a run for the money to best of the in, incumbents and competitors yeah. so when it comes to building the ecosystem in the industry whether it is working in forums with uh, along with the government authorities and ivc yeah. and all that you will see what the bloom contribution and leadership in general is contributing so there there is a ability to go down that level and go for not those perfect choices but the relevant and the right choices got it and once one has done away with instant gratification when they want to enter the fund as instant and gratification and sense of entitlement both you have to yeah. do away with if you have to succeed in the ecosystem the sense of entitlement is something which really puts you into a very what is the sense of entitlement i am uh, iit plus iim 5 years worked in uh, two of the unicorns yeah third unicorn is expecting uh, willing to give me a job so you have to give me a crore yeah great 
If he's giving and you are willing, why don't, why you, don't you join it? Absolutely. <laughs> Instant gratification yeah. is I don't care about carry, I don't care about ESOPs. Yeah. And I want everything in the salary today. That has to go away. Yeah. Sense of entitlement is that this banta hai, that nahi chalta hai. Banta hai nahi chalta hai. Or ye milta aya hai. Haan. Toh kyon nahi? Nahi. Nahi ho sakta hai. A fund which is a 50 million dollar fund. Yeah. And it is not so long ago we ran with AUM of 83 million dollars. 2018 yeah. tak when we did the first close in September. Yeah. 83.33 million dollars of AUM. Yeah. 2018 September and the now it's barely five years yeah. it's in five years that we have raised the other two pots of capital yeah. right so we've not it's not so long ago that we were in the same boat you how can i afford talent and pay that kind of salary then what do i go and uh, do for the rest of the institution build yeah. out when you're coming in the vc if you're coming for the gloss of writing a check it's a like i said it's a wrong foot forward you are in a job which is the highest level of intellectual sales. What do you mean by that? You start a fund, you're going and selling your uh, past yeah. and get somebody to take a leap of faith yeah. on your CV yeah. to and take money yeah. as an LP. The next time you're raising a fund, you are selling your track record yeah. of building a portfolio. The third time you're raising a fund, you're selling your track record of performance. Yeah. The fourth time you're selling, you're selling your track record of building a team. Yeah. So you're selling, only selling. Between each of these two moments, <laughs> vers- between selling your CV versus yeah. selling your track record of portfolio construction, yeah. you're selling to a team member, yeah. saying that why we can have a good job together. Yeah. So it's selling to a co-founder. You're selling to an employee to come on board and be an analyst for you. Because that same guy will probably go to somebody who's raising the second fund. Between somebody who's raising a first versus a second fund, people are willing to get in the different sets of talent. So you're competing. If I look at my $83.33 million example in 2018, and you in your current plan of $50 million next fund, you and I will be competing for roughly the same talent pool. And the guy will prefer me uh, over you. Because of his bias that there is a relatively more AUM, there is yeah. a relatively more stable fund done. So people look at those kind of things as well. So that is what I am referring to. You are selling that why this is still yeah. good. Then you are selling to a founder that why you are the best uh, yeah. check to get or the best name yeah. on the cap table. Then you are selling to a co-investor to come in at a series A and give you yeah. an up round. It is a sales process all round. So I would say that it's the most intellectual sales job. It's the most, if we're looking at biggest challenge from a sales standpoint, VC is the way to go. Uh, what I tell people who... It's not as buy side as people want to be. <laughs> then perfect buy side is a PE job. Yeah. What I tell people is people who come, want to come into fund, uh, and this is the last part, right? Uh, uh, and have expectation that they'll be cutting checks, building thesis, that's it. A fund is a five-muscle job. The biggest muscle, first muscle is sourcing. The second muscle is judgment, right? The third muscle is servicing the founder. The fourth muscle is marketing the fund, right? And the fifth muscle is fundraising for the fund. So if you do expect only to be sharper in one of these muscles or two of these muscles, then you are not right fit for the fund. Or you, if you don't want to develop any of these five muscles holistically in your journey. Maybe... 
okay that you will not do a fundraise yeah uh, but marketing of the fund always yeah and marketing of the fund does not mean that you are praising the fund all the time yeah. when a founder comes and says that i have a term sheet from a 3x the fund yeah. are you going to give up and say that i am conceding to a better institution you have to acknowledge the fact that you are lazy and you are yeah. conceding to a bigger institution by that logic afghanistan should not be having a right of win yeah. and to hopefully defeat australia yeah. right so you are basically conceding and willing to be lazy yeah so it's perfectly fine if you are not going down the path if you're a gp yes it's a perfect five muscle job if you are coming as an employee and each passing cycle over the next 15 years 20 years you'll have to develop that extra muscle yeah. so that's how i would put it that the five uh, points that you mentioned are perfect and relevant person joining in can start with maybe two and each passing cycle add one more yeah. but a person starting out as a fund manager all of those are yeah. super critical and not to forget the fact that when you are looking at the founder we say that yeah it's servicing the founder but how relevant is the service we, we take it easy and say that it's founder friendly but often we have tried to get the person to appreciate that founder friendliness of bloom does not mean that we are exceeding to the founder's requests all yeah. the time it's about a partnership and the founder respects our feedback even though it might not be what he wants yeah. to hear and the friendliness is about the best interest of the business and the company at all points in time of which founder is the best and the biggest custodian so that's the friendliness and the definition that we are wanting to put on the table so that sixth muscle of sensitivity and empathy is become super crucial again i go back to my point of sense of entitlement yeah. i am a vc so no so what you will still have to pitch you will have to still get into the hustle of supporting that guy and do the bits that he's not equipped to do thank you so much ashish it's been such a fantastic conversation thank Loved you it. very much adat all the best